Hey everyone, I'm Ricky, one half of the Streaming Buds. And I'm Nat, the other half of the Streaming Buds. This episode of The Streaming Buds was from our radio show archive. It was originally aired on Radio DePaul, where the initial podcast was released. We hope that you will enjoy it. What's up, what's up, y'all? This is Jeremiah. What's up, this is Steve-O from Jackass. You're listening to Radio DePaul. Radio DePaul. Radio DePaul. Is Chicago's college connection. Good evening, Radio DePaul. This is the Streamin' Buds on Radio DePaul, Chicago's college connection. In our last episode, we had a discussion about the Netflix original film, Over the Moon. If you missed our episode on that film, I highly encourage you guys to watch that movie. This week, we will be reviewing the Kickstarter Pop Motion Pictures documentary, The Last Blockbuster. Let's start off with some basic information. Where can we watch it now? The documentary, The Last Blockbuster, is currently available to stream on Netflix and to rent through several different services. You can find it on iTunes, Apple TV, and other digital and cable slash satellite platforms. Ricky, what is the creator info? I'm glad you asked, Natalie. The last blockbuster was a result of a Kickstarter of Taylor Modern and Zach Cam initially interviewing the people of Bend Blockbuster and realizing the project needed additional funding to become a finished documentary. The project launched on August 2nd, 2018 and earned a total of $39,708 from the go of $20,000, resulting in the production to receive a significant increase with celebrities' interviews and the use of costly visual aid. I must add, originally, for some reason, I thought that this was a Netflix original documentary. It is not. I also need to add that this is, I did not know this at all either. I just, you know, kind of watched it. And then it's just so amazing that something like this happened because if you stay focused on a goal that you have and just really persist in it, you never know. Yeah, definitely. What's the plot, Natalie? The plot for The Last Blockbuster goes as follows. This nostalgic documentary reveals the real story of Blockbuster's demise and how one last location in Oregon keeps the spirit of a bygone era alive. Watch all you want. Kevin Smith, Jamie Kennedy, Doug Benson, and more pay tribute to the once dominant popcorn-scented video rental chain. The source of this week's plot summary was from Netflix. Of course, that's where you can find it. And now here is Ricky with the interviewee list. The interviewees from The Last Blockbuster are Sandra Harding, the manager of The Last Blockbuster in Bend, Oregon, and The Blockbuster Mom. Lloyd Kaufman, the curator of The Toxic Avenger and the forever critic of Blockbuster and entertainment media as a whole. Alan Payne, as a former Blockbuster franchise owner and the former owner of Russell Crowe diversity memorabilia. Tom Casey, the former financial officer of Blockbuster Video of America. Ken Tischer, the former owner of Pacific Video in Ben, Oregon, that later became a Blockbuster. Also, Lauren Lucas as infrequent disembodied narrator voice of the documentary. These are just some of the many people in the documentary 
So um, this episode of the Stream Buds um, is a product of a funny coincidence that me and my co-host Natalie had because we were starting to watch this documentary at the same time. I was literally watching it when he texted. I was like, I'm already 17 minutes in, man. Like, <laughs> With this and over the moon, we decided to give Teleparty a try if you didn't um, see. Um, it's a pretty good um, service, especially with all the pandemic internet relationships that we must have. Since we host this radio show, literally called The Streaming Buds, I thought it only felt fitting to visit a documentary of The Last Blockbuster since our show's namesake is a precursor of sorts to video rental stores. Natalie, what did you know of Last Blockbuster or just Blockbuster video rental stores in general? Of course, like many, I know what Blockbuster is or was. And I knew of The Last Blockbuster's existence itself, like the store. But I did not know that there was a documentary out about it. And when I found out about it, I was really excited to watch it. And, you know, we talked about it earlier. I started watching it and then Ricky messaged me. And you know what? We ended up watching it together because, you know, it's always better to watch something with someone, you know? So we did that. Thinking about video rental stores in general, I do not remember at all, like going into a blockbuster or anything like that. But I do remember going into a Hollywood video. So I I know I went to that video rental store, maybe rented a few DVDs or whatever. And also, if you just go to your local library, you can still rent videos there. So technically, you know, the service still kind of exists, but not like in its own store. Yeah, indeed. It still does exist. Like even streaming services right now, like it still has the same thing that you pay a fee and you take it, like you borrow it. And like, same thing with Blockbuster, my future television professor has kind of like put out the point is Netflix doesn't own any of this content. Like they're basically just the third party as Blockbuster was. And it's only a matter of time before this company no longer exists because it doesn't own any of the um, content they have. Even their own originals? They own the originals, yes. However, some of the originals are also owned by these people who make different content, just as like Viacom CBS, they made plenty of content for Netflix, um, including Rocco's Modern Life um, reboot movie, Invader Sim reboot movie, like a popular thing, Criminal Minds, that's literally theirs and they it's a popular thing on netflix right now mm-hmm. even disney experimented with streaming services through netflix if you think about it netflix is basically the new blockbuster in a way we are now going to have a spoiler warning for the last blockbuster now that we have all that information down it's time to discuss what we liked about the documentary, followed by what we didn't quite enjoy. This is the part of the show where we have a heavy spoiler discussion of The Last Blockbuster. So if you haven't watched it yet, I recommend you to discover the film yourself. You have been warned. You guys know this drill. We're waiting for you. This is your spoiler warning. Okay, since this was my recommendation of the week, I would go first, what I liked about it. Unlike before, I don't really have quite a lot written down, but 
I do have a lot of things to say. Um, the personal experiences I really love that was demonstrated and told by the interviewees, especially Sandy and all of the former blockbusters franchisees. Like they gave a lot of inputs and information. Yeah, like just they gave a lot of more insight of what it was like to own a blockbuster, what it was like to be a part of that culture and what it was like, what impact it made on society because it did make an impact on people and how we consume media. And like, as I alluded to before, like it or hate it, it has made the streaming market what it is now. Granted, like there is no mom and pop streaming services, but there is Netflix soon to be underdog versus the conglomerates. And granted, Viacom CBS, as they also do have their own streaming service now as they once owned Blockbuster. The slub interviews were actually not the worst. I was afraid that like Kevin Smith was just going to be Kevin Smith and like tarnish everything he touched uh, because I have nothing against him. I never even watched one of his movies, but I know the reputation he has is kind of the guy you go to if you want a quote unquote expert of pop culture. And I'm sort of sick of it that he is the expert people go to and not actual people who help make this media. Um, because sometimes people go to him for advice, but it's like just in, for advice or insider secrets, but just go to the directors and the writers of this content. Yeah, I'm kind of infuriated by him, but that's a subject for another day. <laughs> um, yeah, there was also like other celebrities as well, like the voice of Obi-Wan Kenobi. I really liked him because I, I really, um, from the Clone Wars, like I really liked that show and having him do funny voices was a good thing. And I wish that him and personally was actually the narrator. As you could see, he has the capability of having a otherworldly voice. I would talk about soon why I don't like the narrator and Natalie feels the same way about it as well. Um, the insider knowledge, as I said before, it was very interesting. There were some things that I didn't knew from information videos because these are the people who ran a blockbuster and run blockbuster as well. Um, it, yeah, it's just something about it you would never get from a history book or a outsider perspective of it. And that is what me and Natalie are. We're outsiders to the thing because we don't live in an area where video shows are still alive. We just passively observe the information like we did with the watching this film. The set design is cute. By that, I mean the little um, dioramas they had and like the little like segues they had, like of like they had a puppet scene a guy narrating a um, situation on when they wanted to buy Netflix. It was funny. And it was like, they had cute little dioramas too, of like little blockbusters. Um, even though the information of those dioramas, it was my least favorite part of that segment. I really liked, I really liked they attempted to use the production money and to actually like um, make up for the point that like, this documentary was made in the middle of a pandemic. On some parts, it is noticeable that they weren't actually there in person because they probably couldn't be. 
like I'm talking, I'm just talking about like some of the celebrity interviews. It doesn't look like there was a real person there. But yeah, the little blockbuster who could stay and the family dynamic that Sandy brings is very great. I'm sure that Natalie's gonna mention that pretty soon in detail, but like I just want to say. I, I, I like the underdog story and I like that the last blockbuster still exists. So yeah, that's what I like about it. Natalie, any comments? Uh, I will add um, some small things here. Yeah, I liked how you said everything so well, Ricky. I believe now the last blockbuster, because of COVID, they had to change how they operated kind of, at least temporarily for the pandemic. So I'm not sure if this is true or not, but I think they made the store into an Airbnb where you can like hang out there and then like, I don't know, watch movies, stay a night. I have no idea if that's, if that was true or not. It feels like it wasn't true, but I feel like that's plausible because you can't really share stuff. You know, it's a pandemic. So, but yeah, um, I think that was a good intro, Ricky. I, I like how you mentioned the family dynamic because I'm going to like segue into that. So my first point is I loved hearing about the history. Ricky talked about that with the former franchise owners, just hearing, you know, like how we talked about just us outsiders listening to the insider perspective. Although I do like history, I don't think this was my favorite aspect of the film. My favorite was the whole family culture thing, and I'm going to explain why. So I absolutely love the scenes showing the family culture, and I wish that we could have seen more of it, but I think we had the right amount like for that documentary. I know how that small family work culture is because I've worked at a few small workplaces and the environment is always so calming, so friendly. It's in a way like a second home, although it's still work, but like when you're there hanging out with your coworkers, it's just so fun. And I could really see that in this documentary. You, you, like you see her family, like Sandy's family and all that and just the coworkers all coming back. They have like an employee party. They close the whole store. It's great. I love seeing the store itself in Oregon, including its nostalgic decor and, you know, the kind of nostalgic feel. You can really even get it through the screen. Like you don't even have to be there. You can just feel that nostalgia. I also liked getting to know the general manager of the Blockbuster, as Ricky also mentioned earlier. Sandy is amazing. You can really see that she's a genuinely nice character throughout the documentary. And I'm, I'm talking about her character herself, you know, like, like her personality and whatnot. So there's a few examples that I want to point out that just shows how great of a manager she is. We see her opening like mail, like blockbuster mail that the store gets. And there's like fellow blockbuster fans, like from around the country, maybe around the world. I'm going to assume just the country, but they're giving their unused blockbuster gift cards so that other family members could use them like in Oregon. So again, just like you really see that community within Blockbuster again, um, you know, just some people giving back to other people and, you know, Sandy is going to make sure that these families or these cards get used and given to families and stuff like that. Another example of she literally tells the cameraman or camera woman, she's talking about her and her husband and like when they're going to retire. And she says that she won't retire until the Blockbuster goes down. Now that is dedication, people. Like, that's essentially a captain going down with their ship. Like, I absolutely love how much dedication Sandy has here. It's so amazing. And also, just last example, just in general, you can really see all the work she puts into the store. She's in close contact with the Dish Network, which apparently still owns Blockbuster's name. 
and you know she has to make sure the leases are in license are all good like all this like business stuff but she's like all on top of it and just you really see her dedication so yeah you can really see how genuine she is and what she's been doing is really cool so props to sandy you go girl but yeah that's all I, what i liked about the documentary uh more so the family aspect and just keeping the store alive now we're going to go to what we didn't like about um, the last blockbuster. I am going to go first. Um, this is going to be a lengthy d- discussion about one aspect of the film that really took down the rating. <laughs> um, so, Lauren Lapkus, the voice narrator. As you could have seen when I mentioned she was a part of the cast, I was a tad bit annoyed <laughs> by her. <laughs> as I initially thought it was a parody gimmick of the interviewees to simply introduce the blockbuster store owners. But she came back throughout the documentary and in frequent times, resulting in a giant experience. Think of her voice as that stereotypical news anchor voice. Sorry, Ricky, I didn't mean to just jump in here and stuff, but I have to agree, like, nothing against Lauren, but the, her voice just did not fit with this documentary, in my opinion. Like, what I realized it was, it was like, she kind of has the same tone of a news anchor, and I understood why they did that, because if she just was there introducing the main figures... That would have been good. However, she comes back to talk about important information and you never even see her. So it has just that weird disembodied voice thing that you could have easily edited out. However, you can't easily edit out the important scenes where she introduced the franchisees. So the only things that you could edit out is at the actual history where she talks about corporate shenanigans. The Lauren thing would have just docked probably a half a point or a whole point if it wasn't for what she said in the history points. The information Lauren is given to tell the audience is unintentionally misleading because how brief it was to it being a flat-out wrong fact or a lie. The former is the entire history of Blockbuster Hands of Powers being um, private, then bought by Viacom, then sold um, to another company as it goes by so fast. You don't really know what you are being told or the reason why it was sold off so many times. I still don't know why Blockbuster was sold off so many times. The documentary one tells us it's because it was such a polished-like hold in video rental um, stores. However, I don't know, because this documentary, at most, is just a feel-good documentary. It's not supposed to be informational, but it tries to be. And, oh boy, um, the latter example of the documentary spreading lies was set up that Netflix and Blockbuster had a symbiotic relationship history together that Blockbuster was the sole reason Netflix was created and the video rental store giant had the opportunity to buy the streaming platform. Seemed like a great story, right? Everyone is told this is how it went. 
and it's go and it's so neat. Like we go, oh, that's a nice thing because it's a good story. The documentary thinks it's so cheeky by explaining this to the audience and playing the idea of Blockbuster as a leading streaming service. Too bad the story is a lie that the co-founder of Netflix curated and continues to spread because it's a good story to tell to investors. The curation of Netflix did not happen because of the late fees. It actually happened because of two former co-workers of a company you probably never heard of that got bought out and they made plenty of money from it because they were compensated for working for that company and not having a job anymore, took a gamble on e-commerce in a time where the internet was starting to become a big deal and DVDs were beginning to become the new format. Thus, they created a DVD mail renting service because of the internet and not because of Blockbuster. It was a way to be competitive in a market that hasn't yet adapted to DVDs or the internet yet. Furthermore, Blockbuster did have an opportunity to purchase Netflix as the online mail rental service. This is important because Netflix did not stream online yet. Um, a lot of people omit this because they don't realize that Netflix evolved into the streaming service. It didn't become straight right away a streaming service. They were just a mailing renting service at first. However, that decision not to buy Netflix saved that company, in my opinion, because this fact is given by one person in the documentary, which is Tom Casey, which I love because he tries his best to inform the audience and the curators who choose not to listen to him that Blockbuster was a terrible company and would have burned Netflix to the ground if they acquired it. Because Blockbuster, the reason why they didn't compete with to Netflix as they did in mail online service is because they simply thought that customers would stay with Blockbuster. Never mind that they offer a better service elsewhere. They thought customers wouldn't care about the better service because they are loyal and because Blockbuster lasted longer. As you can see, history is kind of repeating itself right now with Netflix kind of doing the same exact thing adding more fees, punishing people for doing something that they were allowed to, which was sharing accounts. Funny how history has a way of repeating itself. And the reason why I kind of gave a little history of Netflix and Blockbuster is because I was so annoyed when I just like watched it with Natalie that I had to take time out of the documentary to look at the videos I got this information from to compare be 100% certain, wait, they didn't say that. That's not right. And it's like, <laughs> I went through it and I realized, so it says I got it from was the um, company man, his um, video on why Netflix is successful and facts, fiends, 
whole spiel about Blockbuster as a company. Those are great videos. You could check them out. There's so many great things about this documentary. However, I have to deduct two points because I it, it simply was just wrong. So yeah, that's what I didn't like. It's probably the harshest thing I ever said about anything, but it's a valid in my opinion. Natalie, why didn't you like Lauren? Well, before I delve into my spiel, thank you for like really explaining this because now I have more of an understanding of it. And I do think that if Blockbuster did take in Netflix in a way, like, like how you said, you know, Netflix wasn't what it is today. It was just some online, like a mail rental service. So yeah. that would not have been good, definitely. Um, because then I don't think it would have been able to reach its full potential that it's at now. So, yeah, uh, I think Ricky did a, a fantastic job talking about Lauren. Um, you know, so I'm just gonna say I agree with him on that. Her voice was not for this documentary. Uh, her voice could be used for some other things, but not this documentary. There is one thing that kind of bothered me, and it's like a generational thing. Like some of the people on there really romanticized some of the parts. Like it was really detailed. And at those kind of points, I felt like they were just being really like, this might sound harsh, but like condescending slash judgmental towards the younger generation. Maybe not our generation, but like definitely younger than us. I don't know. The generation that didn't experience what they experienced, basically. I hate to kind of turn off any viewers about this, but it just like seems like just a older generation, like a, like a boomer mentality. You're right to be critical of this because they are wrong to assume that we just aren't having interpersonal relationships through exactly. media. I would also like to say that I'm sure that there are some kids from the younger generation who are at least aware of VHS tapes and stuff like that. I'm sure that some houses still have the VHS tapes and maybe like VHS players and stuff like that, VCRs. We have to remember that there are young humans who are constantly taking in information from their surroundings and their world. You know, we have to teach the younger generations, the younger kids about stuff like this, rather than leave them uneducated and almost like gatekeep it so that they aren't lost to time. So maybe they don't know what a VHS is. Might, might, might as well pull one out of my closet and show my younger cousins or something like that. Show them what it is. Same thing for like laser discs. Like I never knew what that was until like someone showed me in like a YouTube video, stuff like that. I don't know, just keep it alive. Now is the part of the show where we're gonna talk about recommendations and our ratings of The Last Blockbuster. I have been very harsh on this movie, but um, surprise, I'm actually giving it an eight out of 10. And I gave it an eight and a half out of 10. And that was our review of the Kickstarter Top Motion Pictures Documentary, The Last Blockbuster. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. This was the Streaming Buds on Radio DePaul. In the spirit of Blockbuster, be kind, rewind, and have a good night, everybody. Please make your connection. This is the stop for Radio DePaul, your Chicago college connection. And that was our episode from the Radio DePaul Archive. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. This was the Streaming Buds. I'm Ricky. And I'm Nat. 
Follow us on Twitter at StreamingBuds, capital S, capital B, or Instagram at TheStreamingBuds, all lowercase, all one word. Email us at TheStreamingBuds at gmail.com for any questions or fan mail that you guys would like to send. 